pivot maybe back to your, your, your professional science life, because I, I mentioned we might go back to uh, curing aging. So, okay. So how far away are they from curing it? Because uh, I just, I don't want to get too much older before it gets cured and then be the last old guy mm-hmm. running around. I, I, I'm a little worried about that. You might, might be a little late for you and I, honey. Oh, no. no. That's, that's, that's what I was worrying about. <laughs> Welcome to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Join me, Tony Tran. And me, Bill Robert Tosi. Along with our amazing guests, as we explore how people's inner artist and inner engineer present themselves in their technical careers, in the art that they create, and most importantly, in living creative lives. Our guest on this episode is Caroline Miller. Caroline is a member of the Flaming Lotus Girls, where her role is kitten herder and fire expert. Flaming Lotus Girls is a volunteer-based group of artists based in San Francisco who make large-scale kinetic fire art. Flaming Lotus Girls has been described as a women-focused anarchist art collective. As well, Caroline is also a scientist and associate director at Unity Biotechnology. We'll hear about how the Flaming Lotus Girls functions as a duocracy, and how Caroline uses facilitation and collaboration to support the creative process, both in art and in science. And we touch on the signs of aging and improving our quality of life as we age. Welcome, Caroline, to the show. We are very happy to have you here with us. So Tony and I met at Burning Man, uh, or became friends through Burning Man a number of years ago, and and we started this show out saying it's not a Burning Man show, but obviously Burning Man has this theme of artist and engineer and a lot of the art and the practicality and innovation and things that you have to do to put it on and be there. So there is definitely uh, something that I think is uh, in the DNA. A number of years ago, it's 2011, I was uh, at Burning Man and came across a piece of art there that had a profound impact. And I always tell the story, particularly to people who haven't been to Burning Man, because when I tell the story about it, they're all like, oh, there's a little, hmm, that's interesting. It's not just a party where people run around listening to electronic dance music, uh, you know, naked, right? And I was out on the, the plier, wandering around, taking in art. I might have uh, been consciously enhanced with some psilocybin just to make things a little more sparkly. And it was cold. And I came across this large metal sculpture and sat under it. I think there were some flames around it to keep me a little warm. I was resting and I was noticing there were these little metal hammers that were kind of vibrating up and down it. And they were seemed to be synchronized to these large vehicles that were going by with sound. And I was trying to, in my mind, work out, you know, how are they doing that? Is it a Bluetooth network? Is it this? And it was that. And, and it turned out the art was the Tampani Lombada piece, which is one of the large pieces you folks had put out years ago. Biggest. Biggest. Ah, well, it's, it was very big. Two shipping containers. And, and what, what it was, was the, the, the inner ear. And it was these, uh, the little piece of the ear picking up the vibrations from the car and tapping out the rhythm. And I just thought that was so cool. And then, of course, then there was lots of fire coming out of it as well later on. And, and uh, so that became this very uh, peaceful kind of anchoring place at Burning Man that I went back to multiple times on that 
uh, that year. And, and then when I heard it had been created by the Flaming Lotus Girls, I said, well, how great is that? It's just the name alone. So that is why I'm excited to have you here. Um, you are a member of the Flaming Lotus Girls. And I saw your title was Kitten Herder and Fire Expert, which are great titles. Actually, on, uh, I changed that for LinkedIn. My actual t- title is Fire Hussy. Nice. <laughs> that's, even fire expert. <laughs> that's just my LinkedIn site. Excellent. <laughs> I like Fire Hussy even better. Maybe you could tell us a little about, for, for people who have no idea what I'm talking about in this introduction, what is Flaming Lotus Girls and what do you folks do? Sure. The Flaming Lotus Girls are a group out of San Francisco. We kind of like halfway between Renegade Gang and Crazy Cats. We, uh, we build art collaboratively and it's a very large group. It's anywhere between um, probably three or 400 people at this point. And the way that it works is people come and go and people come into the group, they make art, we work really, really hard. And then maybe some people go off in the, in the other ways and go make art. Maybe we annoy them too much and they go away and make other art. So it's kind of like a landing part for many different artists at Burning Man. So it's like you come, like you say, you come to Burning Man, you see these crazy, amazing, beautiful things. And you're like, how do you even do that? And there's a disconnect between most people knowing how to put that foot into that world to be able to build that piece of art. So what the Flaming Lotus Girls do is we provide that foothold, right? So, so we, we start off our year, there's probably 30 to 40 of us that have been around for a long time. There's a core group. And then there's like another sort of a little slightly like a peri-nuclear group that hangs out around the outside of that, right? And then we have volunteers coming in and out. And basically, if you've shown up and you've turned a wrench or you've lifted something or I've bossed you around, then, um, then, you, then you're a Flaming Lotus girl. And, and, and our list just grows and grows and grows. Every time we do a calendar, we actually collate all that list. And I'm sure it doesn't, I think it has like 400 people on it at this point, but I'm sure like there's more, right? There's, many, there's always more. We kind of like say it's like the mafia. Once you're in, you can never get out. <laughs> um, and we, we, it's collaborative all the way from the start. So um, everybody comes to the group and these people could be brand new. Like somebody can show up in the group and propose a project and, they, and we all get behind them and we build that project. So it's not, there's no mandate dictating what piece of art we make. It is the most collaborative, sometimes infuriating process that I've ever seen in my life. Um, so from that, from the collaborative process of designing what we're going to build to then at the beginning of the build season, maybe like February, March, we start to do one-on-one classes. So we'll do cutting metal, using a grinder, using a welder, um, using our CNC. Uh, we'll do the basic tools, right? You know, how, how, do you, how do you drive a forklift? So at that point, you know, we don't really advertise, but people come to us all the time. So we have a, an email list, uh, info at flamingloaders.com. Anybody can email. And, and you'll get Rhiannon, who's wonderful, and she'll, she'll send you back a bit of information about when the next meeting is. And depending on where we are in our cycle, right, depends, especially this year with COVID, it's just all been weird. But um, depending on where we are in the cycle, um, she'll, say, she'll say, show up next week, or, oh, I'm sorry, there's not much to do. Or, you know, maybe we need some volunteers the next week. And it's like, hey, show up, right? And it's, it's, it's often up to those people to dive into the group so, and we try to make it more attractive for new people to come in as well, right? And make it an open, welcoming environment. 
but there still has to be a certain amount. This is Burning Man, right? This is radical self-reliance. So there still has to be a certain amount of, I will show up and do the work. Yes. And what we call that is duocracy. So if you show up, you get to decide what to build and then you make it. Um, and it kind of cycles around like that. And it, you know, there's people like me around who kind of, I'm a little bit of a puppet string person, right? So um, uh, I'll, I'll sort of dive. I'm, I'm a little bit further out of the group right now because I've got this new crazy job for the last year. So I've been really working hard on that. But like a couple of years ago, I'd be, I, I, people didn't really know me in the group. All the newbies had no idea who I was. Um, except when we got to the plier and they're like, oh, you're the one that sends me all the emails. I'm like, yeah, I'm the one who got you the truck, right? So it takes all different kinds of people to be in the Flaming Lotus Girls. Um, and and we, we thrive on that, right? We thrive on that new energy, that new input. Um, you know, we, we do really like engineers, proper engineers, mechanical and structural engineers. They're great. They're our friends. We learn a lot from them. And, and, then, and then we take those skills and we pass it on to the next generation of Flaming Lotus Girls. So uh, that was a long way around of talking about it, but it's, the Flaming Lotus Girls is far too complicated to sort of describe in a sentence. So I hope I gave you, um, I hope I gave you a, a flavor of what it is. I think I've got a flavor, yes. And you uh, mentioned to me that when you, when you started, you, you were a little more involved in making the art and then have turned into this, kitten herder of, of making sure, you know, that figuring out how some of these things happen. Those 80-foot ears are not going to make it out there on their own or whatever. Take us through that kind of journey. The, the initial, uh, when you first got involved, was it to, you wanted to learn how to sculpt? You wanted to set things on fire? How did you? Uh... So I started, I went to Burning Man with, with, my, with my bestie, and she was, she's a uh, postdoc. And she's a postdoc that showed up at UCSF the same time I was working. We worked in the same lab. So we went out to Burning Man and she never stayed up all night and it was burn night. Dude, we have to stay up and see the sunrise. It's so close. So I forced her onto the plier just as a piece that the Flaming Lotus Girls did in 2004 called um, Seven Sisters, just as the central star, which was called Electra, was about to do a liquid, liquid diesel, a liquid diesel gasoline shoot, right? So like a, you know, 60, 70 foot flame in the sky. So we sat there and just open eyed, right? <laughs> looking at this, like, oh my God, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. We sat there and we sat really quiet. And then they asked us to move. And we're like, where would you like us to move? <laughs> and it's funny because our friends tell us this story now. This story's repeated. This story's like Flaming Lotus Go Lore now. <laughs> Rosanna and I came to the group. Um, and I took, I had this Cybershot camera. It was, it was not, not, not the best camera in the world, you know, like 2000 and, um, 2004. Uh, and I took this photo. And at the time, I was volunteering for Burning Man and, and working in the tech team. And somebody had put a request out for pictures of fire. And I was like, sure. And this is, this is how I, like, I never considered myself to have an artistic bone in my body, right? I am science track all the way, right? You know, molecules and numbers are my thing. Like art, I'm like, I don't, know. I don't know what that is. And somebody asked me to make a board, a piece of art to put up at decompression. And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so I got some poster board and I stuck some photos on it. And I put a little sign that said, I still have this. I put a little sign that said, hey, I'm a boring, I'm a boring scientist. Please, can you take these glitter pens and, and decorate my art? 
And I put it up at decompression and I came back at the end of the night because I was volunteering and stuff. And it was just, there was just art all over it. And I sat there and I cried a little bit. It was so cute. It was like my first collaborative art piece. And it so happened that the Flaming Lotus Girls saw it. And there was a beautiful picture of Electra. I call it Electra giving it large at the post-burn dawn. If they asked me if they could print the photo for a gallery show. So the flame, one of the ways that we raise money, and it's funny because this is what I run now. I run all the photos for a gallery show. <laughs> this is how I got into it was um, helping them put this show on. So I showed up like, I'd like to help, please. And, da, 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 and I showed up and I was, I was just good. I was so polite and I was so nice. And then it, I think they were like a little weirded out by me. <laughs> Being so like, it, like into it. Because they were like my heroes, like the Flaming Lotus Girls. Like I was like, I'd seen them the year before Electra with the hand of God too. So I was just like all the flutter. And then at the end, never occurred to me I could go help them. But at the end, they were like, hey, do you want to come and build stuff with us? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Can I bring my friend? So then that's how Rosanna and I showed up. And we literally showed up the first time. And I walked through the door and this guy who now, who's now like a brother to me, Charlie, he's like, hey, can you drive a forklift? I was like, no. He's like, get on and learn. I was like, okay, this is what we're doing then. <laughs> Very burning, man. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and then I sort of worked my way into the, the, the fire portion of it especially Rosanna and I we didn't really understand what we didn't really know what we wanted to do but the the fire portion definitely drew us to it which involves a lot of sort of technical and sort of technical expertise in in well, figuring out how people use this stuff in the in the default world and then trying to put it into a system that allows us to make fire in a safe way so that was that was us and I was also heavily involved in in actually a lot of the big major structural stuff at the beginning. So bending the big pipes uh, with some, with some um, iron workers, which was really fun for the serpent mother, bending like four <laughs> and six inch schedule 40 pipe. Um, so, and then also, you know, stainless steel, we work with everything like, we, and we always have done every time. Like it's usually steel for the, for the central components, you know, big, heavy, those, those, those arches on timpani lambada, I mean, those, just those alone take two 40-foot shipping containers to ship. Um, and the amount of work that went into them was crazy. And they were all, that all every single one of those, the, that sculpture was used for a bunch of our higher level um, welders to actually get like completely proficient in welding and go and do classes. So there's a couple of people that actually did, did certs after that. So again, it, it, was, it was a way of taking metal work and advancing people's skills and allowing them to understand something else that they could do. Am I answering your question right? Yes. Yeah. So at the beginning I did a lot of the structural stuff. Um, then, you know, and then I had a child. I definitely, you know, obviously stepped back a little when I had the child and then jumped back in, not completely with two feet. I'd say like one foot in the shop and then one foot um, doing more um, email wrangling and project management which is very important in, in, in producing art. You mentioned that you're a scientist. When we say artist engineer, we're, we're very, uh, we play with that, those terms very loosely. So it's someone with a very technical proficiency and then their creative outlets. And that's kind of the theme of this. And, uh, and you, you are a scientist uh, for a biotechnology company that's working on aging. So we may cover a little of that. I you know, wouldn't mind stopping aging or even reversing it would be even better but 
we can get to that later. But you mentioned to me, which is interesting, that you, you found similarities when I first contacted you around helping, um, you know, you, you spent a lot of time with artists and you also spent a lot of time with scientists who have ideas, who have to do experiments and helping them kind of realize those. Can you talk a little bit about that role? A sort of facilitator, I like to call it, right? And in my, in my day job, before I worked at the biotech company, I've, I've often worked in what's called core facilities, which are places, usually in academic institutions, that provide a service and a technique that's hard for a lot of researchers to do. So I prefer, I'm a histologist, so like soft tissue diagnosis. So I, you had like a mole taken off, it would go to the hospital and somebody would slice it and put it on a microscope slide put it under the microscope so and then look at it and do, give you a diagnosis. So, so that's the sort of process that I've done for the last 20 years in very different ways. And because it's a difficult process and because building art is a difficult process and, and, and finding trucks and, and getting the right gauge of material is, is a difficult process, you have, to then, you have to look at it as a set of tools, right? So you have a, a set of tools that you know and you understand. And then you take these <clears throat> crazy artists and, uh, and try and guide them, not, not putting them in a box. I never want to put them in a box, right? I don't want to direct them to my box unless it's dangerous and, and it's never going to work. And then I will. <laughs> but, but I never want to put them in a box. I always want to give a certain set of tools that allow people to make the artistic journey themselves especially if it's something that doesn't really matter, right? If it's like a little tiny piece of the sculpture that like somebody really wants to like tweak on for hours. Yeah, sure. You go for it. That is yours. You own it. So it's about using and the the sculpture building process is a tool as well to sort of teach people. And, And again, similar to like, similar to the way that I do it in sciences, there's always a, a part of teaching in it. I want that person to be more understanding of the process that we're doing by the time we're finished, right? Not a didactic process. Uh, because I really feel that people learn much more that way and we get a better understanding of how the world works and hopefully we'll all get on a little better that way. Working with both artists and scientists uh, is very interesting, that kind of combination, that overlap. Do you see that they, there's some similarities in the way they think in terms of creativity and ideas or is it much more what we think of as stereotypical uh, scientists are very straightforward and kind of structured thinking and artists are, are much more flexible what's what's your no I think I think the first I really too I think that um, you know there are there are different types of scientists the same way there are different types of artists and I definitely know some people at unity that I have to put in a that I have to like shepherd into a box right you know (laughs) to into a place because there's because that's part of the creative process right when you're coming up with science you're trying to think of things that nobody's ever thought of before right because the initial process happens with an idea and a hypothesis and a question which is very similar to that i want to build this piece of art right so so once you have that idea you have to try and decide how you're getting towards it and 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 sometimes, again, those, sometimes those science ideas, the craziest ones are the ones that are going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. So it's very important for me not to try and squish any of that. Uh, like I said, unless it's dangerous. <laughs> and then I cut it off. <laughs> but I, I learn a lot from the creative artists and scientists because I have a very process-oriented, I'm like, if, if I have something to get to, then I know how to get to it. 
but I am not the person to come up with that, that aim, right? And that's why I love working in a group. That's why I'm a very group-oriented person because I think that it takes all of those different skill sets to be able to, to do that. Um, but for sure, there are some crazy ideas that the scientists throw out there. And, and, you know, it's taken me a long time not to knee-jerk and scream no at them. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, and I just think it's really important to make sure that, 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 that all the team is listened to when it comes to what they want to do. Because it might just be the next big thing, you know. Right. Yeah, when, when we examine this, sometimes we think of that one mind of the continuum of someone who's an artist, engineer, who has a vision and the ability to bring it to fruition. But on a team, you do actually get so much more diversity of perspective, which is great, right? And then, and there are more roles for people. And sometimes this can be maddening. Or if you appreciate it and understand it, it could really, that's where you really get the, the, uh, the effect of creating something amazing, right? You really can't do it on your own. Yeah, and we see, you know what, with the Flaming Lotus Girls, it gives people the courage to be in a to be in like a nice little nest where they can feel comfortable, right? And then I think like part of the Flaming Lotus Girls job for some of those people is just to annoy them so much that they go away and make more art, right? <laughs> it's all about like just spooling the artists out, right? Well, if you don't think we're doing it right, then you should just go make your own. You? <laughs> and then you have another art group. Actually, the, if you don't really know the Flux Foundation, that kind of happened from Flaming Lotus Girls. Like it's sort of some of the core Flux Foundation kind of spun out from Flaming Lotus Girls in a, in a similar way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's balance, okay. right? It's all about. Yes. So when you first got involved, you, you mentioned unless you're going to hurt somebody a couple of times, did, did you come in and look around and say, wow, these people are playing with fire? Uh, we need to like, you know, bring this in a little bit. Uh. I mean, I knew nothing, right? When I showed up, I think that we were still all in the early days and the early ages of doing it too. And there were other people out there, like there was an impotence compensation project. The ICP was one of the first liquid shooters out of Burning Man, around about 2001, around the man. And uh, Geigel Jim Mason made those. Um, and we were kind of following on a little bit from some of that. There were some things that maybe we don't do now, but in the creative process, I don't think anybody was in, I don't think anybody was in any danger of, of hurting themselves. It's just like, there's, there's a, there's a level of, I'm, my level is a little, a science nerd is like, is like pretty schedule 80, schedule 40. Everything's like up to code as code as we possibly can. I never felt anybody was in danger as such, but they were also using materials it's just you use the materials you have around sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it's interesting too, because there is the, uh, and many things at Burning Man, it, it, there, there's the appearance of danger, the, the feeling like there is something like edgy about it, but you do also keep people safe and want to keep people safe. And I think that is kind of, you know, what makes it exciting and makes it kind of uh, transformative, but without, you know, setting people on fire <laughs> yeah we have we have never set anybody on fire outside our group and that is that is for sure <laughs> you said something earlier that kind of triggered a, a memory which was uh that you love engine real engineers structural engineers you know and you don't think as i said earlier you don't think of burning man you know you think of art and you think of 
parties and you think of various things. And I have three older brothers who are all engineers by trade, by mindset, by um, training. And I remember when I first, first year I came back from Burning Man, I was like, but they would never go to Burning Man. Yeah. And I was like, we should all go to Burning Man. You guys would love it. You know? And they looked at me like they had three heads. They did have three heads, but they really looked at me like, <laughs> like I was crazy. You know? <laughs> and I think people don't realize some of the trades, like you say, like steel workers and whatnot, who, who are involved in these things, uh, which oh, yeah. you need. You know, I, I have, uh, for Betty Man, for me, I think I got, I got a, I have a golf cart, it has stickers all over it. And it also has a little flaming gnome on the top. And that's kind of like what, how I ride a Betty Man. And, uh, and it has, somebody gave me a sticker last year. It was, my vacation is your worst nightmare. <laughs> and that is ultimately just sums up Betty Man. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I put myself through torture every time. And to me, Betty Man means boots and being dusty and dirty and tools, mm -hmm. right? And it means, Betty Man can be whatever it means to whoever it, whoever it is, that's the whole idea. Uh, but I go to Betty Man to work and I come back broken. I break myself every time. Um, and I think that's part of the fun of it, right? And, and you know, there are, there are structural engineers that I know that don't wanna build sculptures out there. They want to go out and party and, and, you know, or build a, you know, build a car or something like that when they're used to building, you know, building skyscrapers. Yes, yes. You're drawn in some way. Final pivot, maybe back to your, your, your professional science life, because I, I mentioned we might go back to uh, curing aging. So, okay. So how far away are they from curing it? Because uh, I just, I don't want to get too much older before... It gets cured and then be the last old guy running around. I, I, I'm a little worried about that. You might, might be a little late for you and I, honey. Oh, no. no. That's, that's what I was worrying about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and just remember that it's not, we're not trying to cure aging. Aging is a process that you ain't going to stop. It, it's a lot about increasing your health span, right? So it's, it's about trying to get rid of those diseases that cripple you in old age, that make it so that you can't, you can't enjoy your retirement. Like there's not going to be any, you know, Walt Disney living forever pods going on in any time future. But what we can try and do is, is reduce some of the mor mor morbid morbid morbidity that is associated with aging. Right? Alzheimer's disease, neurodegenerative disease in, in general, um, knees and knees and arm, knees and elbows and you know ankles and all those things that go wrong. Right? Um, cancer is technically a disease of aging. It's a disease of aging and genetics too. Right? But it's that it's a very different. It's a it's a it's a different sort of field in in some respects, but still definitely comes together. We're a long way from completely realizing all of the factors that go into aging, especially when it comes to environmental stuff too, like the, the, uh, the knowledge of, of biology versus environmental is, is sometimes split as well. And that, I, think, I think that could do better. But uh, I can hopefully say that maybe in a couple of years, people won't be able to, won't have as much diabetic retinopathy because of some of the programs that we're doing, right? And people will be able to see their grandkids. It's those kind of small things. So don't take it as, as aging as a, as a big lump, 
right? Because that's like, well, what is aging? If we get into that, <laughs> what question are you asking here? Uh, but but going on certain topics, I think um, I would change the narrative to being more, um, how can we help our health span? And how can we make it so we enjoy the rest of our lives and not be stuck in a old folks home? Well, that seems like a good goal. Yes. Tony, uh, any last thoughts, questions, comments? No, I think this has been a very wide-ranging discussion. Very, 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 very interesting. So, uh, really looking forward to seeing what Flame Lotus Girls and, and you, Caroline, uh, end up doing next uh, when things get back to normal or things get back to uh, to different. But uh, we can be back together again. So, yes. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear about the, your next projects, and we'll happy to have you back when that happens. Yeah, great. That sounds great. I can. I have, there's many more that I can line up for you as well. Oh, well, absolutely. We come, like, we come like a herd of locust girls. I, we would love to, yeah, to hear <laughs> the, the flaming locust girl. <laughs> um, well, it, I, yeah, this has been delightful. And, and much like you said, when you went to, uh, to, to that collective the first time, kind of like, these are my heroes. I feel like I've, I've met one of my heroes already. Oh. <laughs> so thank you so much for this and for making helping make the the art and the, what makes uh, that experience so special there for, for folks who, who can't, you know, like myself, who maybe can't make a 80-foot uh, ear sculpture happen. So, uh, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, I can. I That's it. I know. It's a very limited Right. It's a very limited mind. Well, if I move to the West Coast, I am going to become a Flaming Lotus girl. You'll see. You can start your own group. You ready, Tony? With Bill and his brothers and me. I like this idea. Very good. Well, thank you once again. Thank you, Caroline. You are welcome. Thank you. That was really fun. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can email us at podcast at theartistengineer.com if you have show ideas or want to follow up with feedback or just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect. You can find more information about this episode in the show notes at www.theartistengineer.com. And finally, if you enjoy the show, please leave an iTunes review as it helps the show get discovered by more people. And also hit the subscribe button.